Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we have a fascinating guest joining us from Portugal, travel and lifestyle writer, Stacey Leska. She's an award-winning journalist with a diverse career that spans across various publications, topics, and continents. Stacey's words have graced the pages of publications such as the Los Angeles Times, Travel and Leisure, Departures, TripAdvisor, Men's Health, Glamour, Time, and many more. Stacey is also an adjunct professor of journalism, pursuing her PhD, and is the co-founder of Be a Travel Writer, a platform designed to support and empower aspiring travel journalists. Hi, Stacey. Hey, Angela. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, how are things in Portugal? You know, it's very hot. It's been a very hot summer, but that's how we like it. The days are long and sweet. Oh, that sounds so nice. What led you there? Because you are from the U.S., right? Yeah, that's right. So about two years ago, I uh, decided to move to Portugal to pursue my PhD. So I go to school here. I go to the University of uh, the Catholic University of Portugal, Catholica. Um, yeah, so that's why I'm here. What made you choose that university? I chose Catholica because it's an incredible media program that has brought people together from all over the world. My classmates, all 12 of them are from Portugal and Brazil and Japan and the Philippines and Scotland and Angola. And I just wanted to be in a community that really could show me what the global media landscape really looked like. Wow. That's amazing. It doesn't hurt that it's in a beautiful place. Definitely not. <laughs> And I know you write for U.S. publications, but you know, have you noticed any differences in media landscapes in Portugal and the United States? Yeah, there's a lot of differences. So my PhD work is actually comparing students, journalism students in Portugal and the United States. Uh, mm. So there's you know, a lot of different things like here they have a very strict policy about kind of who can really be a journalist um, and you can have your accreditation taken away for misinformation and, um, you know, people take it very seriously here. Uh, and so, you know, there's 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 a lot of differences for sure and um, how they report stories as well. So you now specialize in travel and lifestyle reporting, but in the past, your work has covered everything from women's representation in the media to the immigration crisis at the border to criminal justice reform and cannabis legislation. You know, could you walk us through your career a little bit? Yes, I've had a very diverse career, which yeah. I'm very, very fortunate to have. Um, I started in media when I was 18 years old. I was an intern at my hometown newspaper, the Narragansett Times, uh, which is still my favorite community newspaper in America. <laughs> very, very biased toward, toward it for sure. Uh, but I got very lucky and kind of fell face forward into journalism um, through a chance meeting with their editor who offered me an internship. Okay. And then and I said, oh my God, I didn't even realize this was a job people could have. And <laughs> I then never looked back. And um, my undergraduate degree is in education. Um, so I continued with that, but while working for the Narragansett Times all through college and for a few years afterward. Uh, and then I moved to Spain where I became a freelancer at the age of like 22. Wow. Uh, yeah, working for magazines there, like In Madrid Magazine, which was at the time their number one English written magazine um, in Spain. And oh, cool. 
back to America uh, to get my master's degree at Emerson College in, in print and digital journalism and worked for Global Post for a long time before uh, luckily landing a job at the Los Angeles Times, moving there. And then from there, uh, became the digital director of Good Magazine. And after that, about six years ago, I went freelance and kind of also fell into travel and lifestyle reporting. Okay. That's what I was going to ask is how you, how you moved into that. So you kind of just fell into it. Yeah. Again, it was another chance meeting with an editor who said, Hey, you should try this too. And again, I thought, Oh my gosh, I didn't know this was a job people could have. So (laughs) just keeps coming up for me. Um, and you know, I, I, I love all of the things I get to write about all the time, but travel writing has been a true gift to me because not only has it brought me a lot of joy, but it brings me a lot of joy to to share with people like, Hey, here's how you can have the best day of your life, you know, and how you can make memories with the people you love the most. Um, I think travel is like incredibly powerful. I think it's much more powerful than people give it credit for and getting to help tell the stories around it is an honor. Yes. Yes. That's great. And I know that your range of articles still at this point with lifestyle and travel are, are pretty diverse. You know, is there a particular, um, story topic or subject that you like to focus on? Yes. I really love to write about, uh, Adventure travel is definitely one of my favorites. I love to write about things that give people a thrill, uh, you know, be it surfing or skiing or going on a safari or a hiking trip, uh, helping people get outdoors and kind of see mother nature is definitely a big passion point of mine, as is accessibility in travel. I deeply believe that travel should be for everyone. Um, so ensuring that people who travel with a disability can get to the, you know, very uh, remote corners of the world if they want to, or have access to national parks, um, or even city streets. You know, living in Lisbon, this is not a, a place that isn't made for people uh, who might be living in a wheelchair. And so helping people navigate that to ensure they can come and see it too is also very important to me. Yeah. And that's so, that's so fabulous and so much so needed because we have, um, you know, for, I would just say the average American, I guess it's really overwhelming to plan a trip to another country or to another. So it's, it's just such a great, you know, service too, like you said, when, when someone can read an article and say, okay, I can do this. I can plan this myself and I can go there. <laughs> you know, Exactly. Giving people a blueprint for travel, uh, you know, to help them kind of see that, no, it actually doesn't need to be that hard. You really, you really can just uh, get some few trusted tips and get there. Yeah, yeah. And as a journalist, you've written for numerous publications, like it's mm-hmm. some that you've mentioned, you know, the Los Angeles Times, Travel and Leisure, Departures, Time, et cetera. How do you approach, you know, storytelling for the different outlets? Yeah, I mean, there are, I get to, again, write for a range of publications. So something that I'm writing for Travel and Leisure, I might not ever pitch to men's health, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for men's health, I tend to pitch things that are um, kind of more geared toward lifestyle topics. I've covered a lot of like um, cannabis or CBD for them. I've even covered things like how to quit your job, you know, how to just YOLO and quit and, and still financially survive. Um, and those are things that I wouldn't, you know, pitch to Travel and Leisure because that wouldn't make any sense. So right. it's important for me as a journalist uh, to get to know the different publications that I want to pitch before I even think about pitching them. So I read a lot. I read a lot of publications every single day, especially the ones that I hope to pitch because I want to get to yeah. know their voice and their tone and what kind of stories they've already covered. So I don't pitch the same thing and kind of find those holes that they might not be publishing already that I could fill. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice too. And, you know, throughout your career, you've received many awards and recognitions for your work. We'd love to hear about the one that makes you the most proud and why. Oh man. I mean, honestly, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of stories that I am very proud of because they've not only taken a lot of work, but taken teamwork. I, I would be nothing without my editors and copy editors who've saved me many times from (laughs) embarrassment. Uh, But the stories I think I'm most proud of, um, I traveled with my friend, Jesse Belauer to Peru for a story for travel and leisure, which Mm -hmm. they also shared in season one of their podcast, Let's Go Together. Um, And Jesse is a professional surfer who uh, is is also paraplegic. And we tested out a program called Wheel the World to help him get to go hike Machu Picchu. And it was the coolest. And not only yes. was it great to travel with my friend, but it also was very eye-opening for me to see, you know, oh, this, I've never even thought about, you know, some of the things that Jesse has to think about before he travels. Um, so that story I'm incredibly proud of for uh, both personal and professional reasons, for sure. Yes, that was a fabulous story. We'll definitely link to it in our show notes too. So those listening can read it as well. It, you know, as we talked a little bit about, you have quite the multifaceted career, so many things. You served as the social media editor, as you said, for the Los Angeles Times and mm-hmm. Travel and Leisure, you know, working on social media best practices for newsrooms and startups. Would love to hear some of your best guidance and advice on that topic. Yes, social media uh, definitely also helped boost my career very quickly. You know, I think that it was a very important part for me. Um, and I think it's, Obviously, a space that's never going away. I tell my students, both at Catholic, I teach at my university now, and I also was teaching at the University of Southern California. And I used to tell my students, you know, back in the good old days of the (laughs) nineties, that we used to deliver, you know, obviously well before, but we used to deliver news to people's physical doorsteps, right? So paper man or woman would deliver your paper to your doorstep every morning. And now we deliver it to people's digital doorsteps because that's where people live. People live online now. Yeah. Um, It's important to be available to readers across social media to either be sharing your story or to be receiving tips, feedback, interacting with people. So you understand like, Hey, this is the pulse of what's going on um, in my community or in my B. So being available on social media, I think is critical as a writer today. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to have a million followers, but I think being present is, is vital. Yes. Yes. If, if you ignore social media, you're really ignoring what's yes. happening. <laughs> what's happening in the yeah. world. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, given your expertise in social media and journalism, you know, both, how do you envision the future of news distribution? And I know you've mentioned this, but any, you know, emerging platforms or trends that you find particularly promising? Well, you know, even though it's definitely already well emerged at this point, I do still think there's a lot of space on TikTok for sure. I think Mm -hmm. uh, Instagram is very saturated, but I think there's still room on TikTok to be experimenting and growing and uh, reaching new audiences, especially because it's a very young platform that's uh, hyper popular among the Gen Z set. Very quickly abandoning platforms like Facebook. So, you know, being there to capture kind of like how they consume news and how they want to want to receive news uh, is important. And so I think that media organizations can be doing a lot of work there, uh, doing quick video re- videos um, and capturing audiences that way to become the authority and regain trust with that very important demographic. Yeah, yeah. 
And as you just mentioned a little bit ago, alongside your journalism career, you're also an educator, professor of journalism. What motivated you to take on the role of educator, you know, and what do you hope to instill in your students? Yeah, I have. So like I said, my undergraduate degree is in education, um, and I've just always really enjoyed sharing and talking. Um, I sometimes, you know, it's like, yes, I'm teaching things, but wow, the amount of things that I learned from my students, again, like the importance of social media. Right. Um, that was really a lot of it for me. I want to converse with the next generation of, of media professionals. You know, some of my students are have incredible roles now at the Today Show, at the Los Angeles Times, you know, uh, some write for travel and leisure. And it's it's so cool to watch them grow up um, and, and kind of be, you know, frankly, become my boss. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I think that it's just like the best. Oh my God. I can't even tell you what my energy is like after I leave a classroom because of just how exhilarating it is to talk to students about their thoughts on what the future media looks like too. Right. And is it all mostly Portuguese students? No. So, um, well, in the U S obviously it was a lot of American students, right? Uh, but right. Portugal, my students are from quite literally everywhere. Um, so wow. I've Lots of Italian students and German students and students from China and students from Japan and um, students from Brazil, like I said, uh, across the UK. Uh, it's really an incredible scene in our classroom uh, yeah. because, you know, we're talking about things and they're like, well, this happens in my country and this happens in my country. <laughs> you know, so it's really a very unique setting that I'm incredibly privileged to be in. Yes. I could see how much yeah. you really learn <laughs> from them too. Sure. Yes. How do you see the role of journalists evolving? What new skills or strategies do you believe, um, you know, are essential for journalists to navigate today? Yeah, you know, this is funny. This is actually a central part of my dissertation. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, is that journalists at one time, not that long ago, were considered gatekeepers of news. So we decided yeah. what was important. Uh, you know, we were, we decided if this story is worth it or not to appear in a newspaper or on TV or in the radio. Now, however, that role doesn't exist because consumers can do that for themselves. So what journalists are having to do now is evolve into this new form of thinking called gate watching. And what you're doing now as a journalist is you're pulling all of this information, you know, from the internet or from sources or wherever it may be, and you're having to distill what is true, right? And so you're kind of having to watch all of it and distill like, no, this is true. This is not linking to verified sources and not. So you're really having to kind of change mindset into thinking like I get to create the news to, I have to filter the news for my viewers or readers. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's really rapidly shifting. Um, and I think it's really important for journalism education programs to acknowledge this change. Yes. Yes. It's very vital. Yeah. In what ways do you hope your PhD will help shape your career? For me, getting my PhD was genuinely just a very personal journey. I really just wanted to do it. Uh, you know, my my mom also has a PhD and watching oh. her as did get to do that. You know, she, she has a PhD in medicine, so it's very different from what I'm doing. But watching right. her, I thought, man, I really want to do that too. And I, I, I love the act of learning and researching despite also sometimes crying over writing a PhD. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, I hope it, it gives me perspective, right? That was a lot of my journey of coming here as well was, getting a different view of storytelling of how to how to help and assist readers find fact whether that be where to find the best deal on travel to immigration rights you know and, and yeah. it, all things are all, are also important to readers you know just like how you know readers can care about 
the best lipstick brand and also care about women's rights, you know? And so I yeah. like to think of myself that way in journalism, that I can care about all of these things and getting a perspective on how to make sure I'm telling the most factual, truthful story I can uh, is what I hope to gain out of my PhD. Yes. Oh, that's so, that's so fascinating and so important. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to want to ask a little bit about the PR side of things and how can PR professionals best help you do your job? And do you have any pet peeves? There are again, talking about how editors, I can't live without, I can't live without PR people either. You know, it's, it's a crucial, crucial relationship for yeah. any in journalism, but I think maybe the most so for travel and lifestyle journalism. I don't know about a hotel opening unless a PR professional shares that with me. I can't gain access to people unless I work through a PR professional. Um, and so, you know, I think that it's a very important relationship. It's a very important dynamic. What I think PR people can do to help me the most or help any journalist the most really is targeting their outreach. So yeah. really only reaching out to people who cover that B or they feel like would be the best person to tell that story. Um, you know, a great example of this is I did a story um, with Island Creek Oysters uh, who reached out to me for a trip in Portugal to go visit their new suppliers for their new cannery that they're opening. And okay. the PR professional reached out to me saying, Hey, we think you're the best person for this because you write about food and travel. And also, you know, Portugal very well. And yeah. that's very personalized to me. And so that's how they can help me best do my job is by not just spraying and praying PR releases, hoping someone picks it up because I <laughs> right. think that they're going to have a higher rate of return. If they say, Hey, I think this is the right journalist for this, for this story. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Definitely. Of all your uh, talking about travel, just a little bit more of all your adventure travel in the past. I know this is a very hard question, but where has been your favorite or something that was unexpected that you were, you know, very pleasantly surprised? You know, this actually isn't a hard question for me at all. I can okay. answer it immediately. Um, so there's a lot of places that I really, really love. Um, and I'm very fortunate enough also in the wintertime to get to run a cool program for travel and leisure called Mountain Mondays, where we explore different ski mountains around the world. Oh, However, wow. <laughs> that is like the joy also of my life. However, <laughs> my favorite adventure place of all time is the Bush Camp Company in Zambia. I actually just came back from my second trip to visit them because of how impactful this place was on my life. Um, I got to visit them in 2018 for the first time for a safari where we went walking and it was a walking safari. So you walk around and you spot lions and elephants and you feel like you're a part of nature, right? And you feel like, oh man, okay, a cheetah could, or, you know, a leopard could let <laughs> out of me at any moment. And, uh, but also beyond that, it's the people that work at the Bush Camp Company that made it so spectacular. And it is the only trip I have ever gone on twice now and cried when I left because it was so, uh, it was so important. And you know what made it even better? No cell phones and no Wi-Fi. You're just- Isn't that amazing when they, yeah. when you have that? You're just present in the moment. So for sure, anything that kind of allows me to just zoom in on what's happening in that second uh, is, yeah. is what I love the most about adventure travel. We must talk about, aside from all of the roles we've discussed already, <laughs> you're also the co-founder of Be a Travel Writer. Could you tell yeah. us more about this venture and you know why you started it, how it supports aspiring travel writers? Yes, I could talk about 
be a travel writer all day long. Nina Rogerio, <laughs> the digital director of Travel and Leisure, and also happens to be one of my very, very best friends in the world. We talk a lot about the future of media. Um, you know, we have these very in-depth discussions about it. And we also talk a lot about the fact that both of us daily get Honestly, I'd say every week I get like two dozen messages. How do I become a travel writer? How do I get your job? How do I pitch this place? Uh, Truly, truly, truly. Um, And we thought, hey, let's put together a class. Like I have a degree in education. I can do this. Yes. Um, University professor and Nina's got more information than anybody on like what works for travel media. And so we put together a course that's eight classes that people can either take one of the eight classes or take all eight and get one-on-one time with me through that uh, for feedback and helping them pitch. Um, and, and it really was born out of the idea of like, we want to help people succeed. We want this to be that this is a job that really anyone can do. Anyone, yeah. ha- everyone has stories. It's just helping people figure out how to pitch and who to pitch it to. Um, and so that's really the, the crux of why we wanted to do it is we think that, you know, travel writers should look like the rest of the population looks. It's diverse in age and race and background and, you know, ability and whatever it is. It's like anyone should be able to do this if this is what they want to do. And and we want to help people do that. Yeah. I love that. And I'm sure you have, when did you start it? We actually started filming it. We filmed it. Nina came to Lisbon. We filmed it over like a weekend <laughs> and then edited it for months. Um, and we launched it officially in March. Oh, okay. So it's fairly new. Yeah. Very new, very new, but we're super excited. We have dozens of students. Uh, we've had two go on their very first press trips. Uh, we have one that got a very exciting job offer that I'm not allowed to reveal yet, but uh, we will reveal it once she signs her papers on our Instagram account. Um, and, you know, we're super proud of, of getting to work with these incredible, incredible students. And we actually have a couple of um, very seasoned travel writers who've taken one-off courses to boost their skills and stuff like social media. Um, yeah. SEO. So we really want to make sure that people can like, oh, you can come and just, you know, dabble in one course if you really want to boost your skills in a specific area as well. That's great. We will definitely link to that as well. What do you say when, when people ask, or, you know, that's kind of out there that there are so many travel writers that if it's saturated, you know, already sort of thing. Yeah. It's funny that as we've heard that, but (laughs) first I think that everyone has ideas. And so if you've got an idea, you pitch it and the editor takes it. That's the important part. Just have great ideas, you know, or be able to figure out how to share them. The second part is I think that people get very singularly focused on big publications like Travel Measure and Connie Nash Traveler, um, or, you know, however, there are a ton ton of publications looking for content like this, um, you know, like Elite Daily, which I'm also an alumni of and uh, frankly pays very well and, and <laughs> loves travel reporting or Business Insider or The Zoe Report or Bustle or Thrillist or Food and Wine, you know, yeah. or Men's Journal and, and on and on Vogue and Architectural Digest. And um, I think that that's a lot of also what our course is about. We talk about this and Finding Your Beat is making competitor matrices and figuring out like which publication is actually the best to pitch Um, and even specialized travel publications, you know, Travel Pulse, The Points Guy, Going.com, TripAdvisor, Expedia, all of these places take pitches from freelancers. And so I do think that it's very difficult to get into some legacy media brands. However, there's many more publications out there that are extremely worthy of pitching. Yeah. Yeah. That's such great advice. 
So before we go, we'd love to know what projects you have in the pipeline or any exciting endeavors you can talk about. Personally took the month of July off of travel to finally just chill and enjoy Lisbon for the summertime, which I'm really excited about. Good. Um, Yes. Um, But other than that, it's really just working on my regular coverage for food and wine and travel and leisure um, and, and, and calendaring out my, my fall and winter. I'm very looking forward to starting Mountain Mondays again this winter for travel and leisure for sure. So I'm already on the hunt for like which mountains we should feature next. That's awesome. So if we want to visit Lisbon, what are your, uh, your best recommendations? Oh man, my favorite places in Lisbon, um, stay at Vulumiarish. I love that hotel. It has one of the best rooftop bars that anywhere in the world, I think it's truly popular. Go grab a coffee at Dramatico, um, or, um, go get breakfast at Comoba. Um, and, have dinner at Estrella de Bica, whose chef was just named the best new best female chef in Lisbon. Mm. Um, and make sure to go check out some of the viewpoints for sunset and you get spectacular views of the historic center of the city that are just unforgettable. Wow. Well, we will look forward to booking a trip. <laughs> visit anytime. Anyone coming, let me know. I'm happy to go meet you for a cup of coffee anywhere. Wonderful. How can, how can those listening connect with you online? Yeah. Um, so I'm across social media, just S Leska. Uh, you can always drop us a note at be a travel writer at hello at be a travel writer.com. Um, and, uh, please read my stories. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Angela. That's all for this episode of Media and Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.